What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. Today, you're receiving a bonus episode. You're welcome. This is a daily dose episode. It's one of the ones we make every other day of the week for the people in the BC Club. If you like this content or wish we'd show up in your feed a little bit more often, all you got to do is join the BC Club. Come be part of our community. Come hang out. Get these extra podcasts. It's a lot of fun. VBCclub.com. Today's show is sponsored by OpenFit. OpenFit's changed the way I work out, and you can get an extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit by texting the code BADCHRISTIAN to 303030. Here we go. So you see... can I sing? My God. Sometimes I hear myself singing. I hear myself singing. I'm like, that's me? I mean, good Lord, I love it. I, I want a, like a tattoo of me because I'm my favorite singer. Good God. Joey, are you your favorite preacher? Like, do you ever, no. have you ever preached a sermon and it like convicted you? <laughs> you, you, got, you got closer to the Lord? Honestly, typically when I teach now, I tell Priscilla, I'm like, I hate that. I don't like, I just, I don't know. It's, now it just weirds me out, but I'm fine with it because I know that's a part of my role. And I guess I'd rather people listen to someone that says, don't really listen to me. Do your own homework. I'm speaking. I'm 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 opening up my thought process to you guys, but I'm not telling you guys that, like I, I pretty much do that now every single time I want to set the stage for. I'm not someone giving you instructions to go away with. I'm telling you Joey Svensson's mind and what I think and some things I'm exploring, and that's the end of it. I'm sure people are sick of hearing it, but otherwise, I like even saying that afterwards, I still feel a little sick inside. Like just that whole vibe of everybody <laughs> sitting the there. Bible, it, it, the end result is you feel sick inside. No, it, it has nothing to do with the Bible as much as like all these people, the attention on me, like I'm the guy that needs to give them this stuff. And so I have to set Weird a different thing. stage. I have to set I a preach stage. and I teach the Bible, and when I get done, I feel sick inside. <laughs> it's harder for Joey too now because he flips through the Bible trying to find a verse to like or something to, and he's got bullshit. Uh, he flips, turns the page, bullshit. Nope, don't believe that. Uh, uh-uh. uh, nope. Out of here, out of here. He's, go, he's just fast forwarding through the New Testament. <laughs> oh man, I gotta, I gotta tell y'all something. So uh, two days ago, something really bad happened in the Spencer household. Oh, or let me put it this way: it was very scary, and it turned out to be okay. But let me give you a little context. So we've talked about Virgil Spencer before. Yep. He's the guy that I showed my penis to. He's my dad. And he's kind of a legend to some old school bad Christian listeners. Well, one thing you don't know about him is he was a master on the basketball court. My brother and I were growing up. And we'd bring all the high, middle, uh, we're talking middle and high schoolers. And we hung out with just as many black guys as we did white guys. So we're talking some pretty dang good talent on the basketball court. Well, they would all congregate in our backyard and old Verge would come out there in his mid forties. And I'm telling you, 
school the hell out of all of us to the point my high school that I ended up at we won state champion we were state champions I wasn't on the basketball team obviously but one of my friends brought the star center to our backyard because he had been hyping up my dad because this guy Wally he's he comes over like every day to play basketball and so he's telling his friend who's the center of the varsity James Island basketball team he's just like you got to see this high school varsity Yes, he's like, you got to see this white boy's dad, this, this dude can play. And so you could tell that he was already, my dad was already talked up because when they came and my dad hit his first outside shot, Wally looks at the big time center from our high school. See, I told you, I told you. And David Bright uh, is just like, that's just one shot, man. That's just one shot. But my dad would go off on all of us. I mean, so I kind of have that in the back part of my mind because I share the same love uh, for basketball for my dad, honestly. Not as good as him. I mean, I'm, I'm better on the inside because of my height. But so I'm in a season where I'm like, oh, I'm kind of enjoying what my dad enjoyed. I'm playing basketball with the kids outside. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, my sons are not as old as what me and Jared were, but they're bringing, they, they've got older guys coming over. So there's one super sweet middle school kid who he's over all the time. Super good example to our sons, a kid we just love having around. And uh, so Priscilla comes out. So basically, I go out there and I'm like, hey, let's let's play a little hoop. And it was just me, my two sons who play basketball regularly and uh, and their friend. And so we're already kind of in basketball mode. Well, then Priscilla comes out with my daughters and changes the whole vibe. And that's fine. But they're just like, no, we want to play. And so, you know, changes the vibe. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. But then we decide to play like four on four, three on three or whatever. And so my perspective is, first of all, Priscilla doesn't understand that I'm already changing how I play because there's a bunch of little kids out there. Like, I mean, I could knock Waylon over my youngest and severely hurt him. So I'm already have a different mentality as if, you know, than what if, what I would have if I was playing with adults or even high school kids. So, but she can't see that because she doesn't really know basketball. Even when I, when I drive to the hoop, she doesn't recognize that I'm doing it differently. Yeah. Well, up until, you know, about a year and a half playing with these little kids on our massive basketball court, Huge. we basically, I've, I've avoided any sort of mishaps because of my care and concern. Well, mm-hmm. yesterday I jumped up for a rebound and then I, I turned around really quick to, to put it right back up. And I'm telling you, my elbow clocked this seventh grader in the face so hard. I heard, <laughs> I, I heard the impact and I'm telling you, he dropped to his knees and oh, uh, I, like he this is a very tough kid. And he he literally was like, oh, oh, and then it turned into sobs. And I'm sitting there and I literally have like my arms uh, kind of like uh, kind of around his neck just because I'm like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And he is he's basically sobbing. And so I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, what? And so obviously my wife is freaked out. Well, to make a long story short, we get ice. I think he I was w- flopping. He's faking. <laughs> you know how well, that I, flop has been going in the NBA? That shit's contagious. Well, I take flopping all the time now. I hate it. I take, <laughs> I take him to his parents' house and I explain everything. They're completely understanding. He ends up being totally okay. But then I got to deal with like, so... I, I really, I'll just be very upfront with a, a, a tough situation with Priscilla and I, and thank God we're able to rebound from these things. We ended up having a good evening. No pun but intended. After, after, <laughs> after I take him and I come back, she comes out there and I'm thinking to myself, after she says what she says, and I'll tell you in a second, I'm thinking, 
you don't think I feel bad enough? Like, I feel so horrible right now. I'm trying to mentally overcome the fact that I just clocked a <laughs> seventh grader with my elbow. But she basically is, she says, what, what is up with you? Like, the, the whole time you were acting really weird and you didn't want the girls to play and you were getting frustrated with Gwenny when we were playing horse because she was doing all these little girly dancing shots and everything. And, and then you're going all out. We're just out here to have fun and just basically adding to my pain already of hurting this kid. And I was like, wait a second. I was, and I, I'm telling you, I snapped. I was just like, you held your elbow up to her, said you want it to throw an elbow at her too. <laughs> but I seriously was just like, don't come out here with this. Uh, it was a, it was a, a really bad moment for me as a husband. I was like, don't come out here with all this stuff. I was like, don't you realize how bad I already feel? And I said, and you don't know how differently I have to play out here. Like I'm making the needed adjustments to the best of my <laughs> ability. And I've avoided this up until this point. But she took one comment I said out of context. So when we were playing this game before elbowing this kid in the face, you know, obviously whoever's on my team is going to dominate because I can get every single rebound and put them up. And I'm trying to I spread the ball around and everything. But William was getting a little frustrated, be, you know, be, because of the uh, uh, imbalance in teams. And I said, hey, guys, seriously, remember, I do have a height advantage. I am passing the ball around. But bottom line is this is I, I'm just getting my exercise. We're having fun. And of course, I'm going to get a lot of the shots. Well, Priscilla took that as I'm out here to get as much exercise as I can, be as aggressive as possible and just stomp on everybody. And that wasn't even what I was saying, but she even took that out of context. So all in all, my, my attitude just to hurt Pris- you. Yeah. All in all, my attitude with Priscilla is, do you not get the fact that from this point on, it is a game changer because I don't want this to happen again. You don't have to tell me anything right now. I have changed. I, I like. I feel so bad right now. Why do you, Why do you think you have to tell me anything? And it, and the conversation kind of ended with me saying like, I, "How do you not know me well enough that this feels so bad that I'm I'm going to make damn well sure that this never happens again?" But mm-hmm. it it was it was very scary, and I was pleasantly surprised. Homeboy shows up back at our house when a couple of other guys show up to play. And I went out there because I was already feeling bad. I was like, oh, this is good that he's back. And so I joined teams with him, and we had two-on-two against two high schoolers, and we lit it up and destroyed them, and it was all better, and he's fine <laughs> and everything. But it was just – it's so frustrating, the the disconnect almost of, of just – and I'm not even saying male and female, just two different personalities. I'm just like, Priscilla, do, do you not understand – that this is a game changer for me. Like, you don't have to tell me anything right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I hear you. There's nothing. The interesting that, nothing... thing about that is people, I, I think I could probably understand her point of view. Sure, in I do way too. Yeah. That it, it's, it's, it's there, people, and it's not women, it's just people are this way. It's, um, you're operating on feelings. Like, if something bad enough happens that feels bad, it is a natural instinct and impulse to, I mean, shame the other person like what were you thinking like, you know how you want to yell at your kid what were you thinking like as right. if there was a good answer for it there never is you know it's a mistake but you want to make sh- it's just a it, it's just a feeling of i want them to make sure they feel bad because this makes me feel so bad that i just want to make them feel bad so it doesn't happen again it's not right. thought through strategically kind of a thing but i tell yeah. you what would be amazing toby it gives me the best idea for a practical joke if we could start dropping subtle hints to priscilla that possibly n- indirectly 
that Joey's on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to put that suspicion in her brain. <laughs> it would really be a delight. Don't tell Joey. Yeah. But just little hints here. They leave some yeah. weird product things or text messages. Send her a picture of back acne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you noticed anything about weird about Joey? He's been a little yeah. <laughs> have, have you noticed some shrinkage? <laughs> Because we think we're on to something. That's a weird question, but his balls shrunk at all lately? (laughs) So one of the best ways to get fit is to be consistent, whether it's what you're eating, what your mental state is, or how and where and when you're working out. And that's why uh, we love working with OpenFit. OpenFit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. Uh, Lose the commute to the gym and let the workouts come to you. So let me tell you what OpenFit is. OpenFit takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes. There, You can't have an excuse that you don't have 10 minutes for yourself to get healthier. That doesn't exist. You have 10 minutes, and why not start today? I, I know I am. Everyone's bodies are different, and OpenFit gets that, which is why it is personalized to your needs with custom tailored original content seriously they have amazing trainers and classes it's super simple forget all of the complexity and stress around getting fit and just press play and work out on your schedule i mean it's that awesome 600 set like 600 seconds with celebrity trainer devin wiggins packs in the fat burning muscle building and body sculpting benefits of much longer sessions into a fraction of the time you can access this anywhere anytime and results that you can see seriously i've been wanting to get healthier and i always have an excuse some for oh the kids that got this thing or i gotta work or i gotta do this i can start and easily motivate myself to go oh in 10 minutes i'll be done and then eventually i'm hoping it grows and gets a little bit longer and then it's 20 minutes and 30 minutes and then i look like a greek god that'd be pretty fun so open fit has changed the way that i work out so if you use our code bad christian you can join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you again use our code bad christian uh, and start using open fit for your journey to a healthier life because also right now during open fit 30 day challenge our listeners get a special extended 30 day free trial membership to open fit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text that code bad christian to 303030 that's 303030 you will get full access to open fit all the workouts and nutrition information totally free again just text bad christian to 303030 that's 303030 standard message and data rates may apply it's just so hard in that moment okay I want to do a little thought experiment here too, though. If the exact reverse would have happened, if Priscilla would have been playing and she and she elbowed the kid in the head, what would your reaction have been? Do you think you would have acted like that too? Like, would you would you have thought? Would you have said some of the same things, or what would that have been like? The opposite no, thing. No, but it's it's easy for me to jump into that line of questioning and also feel very justified. But I take into consideration that we're two different personalities. But sure. in that situation, and I and and you know, nine times out of ten, I'm the asshole in the relationship. That's fine, whatever. I mean, I, I really do believe that there's there's always equal fault. But in that situation, there would have been nothing for me to say other than to Priscilla, "I'm so sorry that happened. You've got to feel awful." I don't need to tell Priscilla to to tone it down. From that point on, I know she's got it. That she's going to do everything she can not to do that again. And I mean, it, and well, that's we kind of my point too. But that's why it's probably extra frustrating for you because that's what that's how you would do it. And so when she didn't do it that way, it even seems way worse. You know what I mean? Like you, you know what I'm saying? Like you're under the assumption. Wait a minute, 
how can you not know I'm super upset and feel really bad and, and hurt? I'm, I'm hurting too that I hurt this kid. She didn't see it that way, but for you, that's how you would have handled it for anybody else. And so that makes it even harder for y'all to communicate with each other in that moment. Like she, yeah. of course she loves her husband. She doesn't think you're a piece of shit and you're terrible on stuff, but the way you, there, there's, there was almost no way you could receive that well. And there's no yeah. way she could have, I mean, she's saying uh, what was happening. She didn't understand. Like, it sounds like to me, she didn't even understand. Wait a minute. When her and the girls came out, the whole game changed and she thought she didn't, she didn't understand why that was the case even then. You know what I mean? Like, but it is, it does change. It just does any, add right. anybody onto the court, the game changes. Right. And it's funny too, because a lot of our, do, do you guys argue better on text? Because she actually had to leave to take one of our daughters to dance. And so we really hashed this out on text. And I actually think sometimes it's better yes, because I agree. you, especially if you're mature enough to tone out or, or to tune out the tone, which usually you don't do with text, but if you can argue and, and keep the tone out, tone out of it, it can be helpful. So we actually ironed most of this out uh, before she even came home, but she kept talking to me about how, how, how anti I was about everything. And I was like, what do you want me to do? I actually did like when Gwenny was playing horse, her shots was dancing around the court for 10 seconds and then just shooting a shot. And I did it every time. I was like, what do you want me to do? Have a better attitude about that? Other than the fact that I complied with a smile on my face. I'm like, what else do you need me to do? I complied to everything y'all wanted me to do. And you're saying I was weird about it. Of course I was weird about dancing around the court for 15 seconds before shooting a layup. It felt weird. Give me props for actually doing it and not saying this is bullshit and I'm out. <laughs> oh, you should have just sent a text of like people playing basketball. Where's the dancing? Where's the, where is it? Just show me what, what have I missed about watching basketball and playing basketball these years. But I think you're right about text. Like uh, sometimes when Jess and I are in arguments and it ends, you know, she's at work or something like that. I realize, wait a minute, the way I'm saying this, she's going to receive it this way, or I'm intentionally uh, being sarcastic or something here. If I say it this way, she's going to understand mostly what I mean, or I'll be able to communicate better with her. And I think that does help sometimes. Like, it's funny, but it's funny that's the case because uh, most people text, a lot of times you can't read inflection or understand emotion and all that stuff. But when you are both, uh, disagreeing or whatever, I do think you can kind of bring down the silly argument side of it, anger side of it, and actually get to the root of the problem. So, but I mean, yeah, it, it's just a, I mean, y'all just had a, a marriage fight argument, right. right? That's what this boils well, down to, but yeah. And, and what's helpful about text too is, is I would say nine times out of 10 arguments, they are escalated because of me not being able to, because of me and Priscilla not being able to ignore the other person's face facial expression yeah. and or tone like that is the set off. And, and we say it all the time and it's, it's hard for both of us to work on it. But like I, there are so many times where Priscilla could say something to me and, and it's not necessarily her responsibility to be the perfect messenger. I'm not holding her to that standard, but I, I will say that there are 90 percent of the time she could say the same thing that she just said maybe choose her words a little bit differently or have a different look on her face and not be so accusatory. And it would, it would be a conversation that I would 
be happy to engage in, happy to disagree with, and or happy to learn from. And and then I do the same thing for her with my facial expressions. I think that's why texting is is so handy. I think overall it's just God smoting you for having such luxury and wealth and riches, yeah, right? Yeah, like totally. I, I mean, like if you didn't have your own basketball court, you could just right. easily, right? You, you just there wouldn't be a problem ever. But because that you had to live, you know, just way outside of what a, any pastor on earth should live. <laughs> you ended up hurting a kid or all the kids in the neighborhood. Like, is there like legend now? Hey, you don't go over to Spencer's house. That motherfucker will fuck you up. <laughs> <He> <laughs> hey, good Lord. <laughs> I was just trying to get a rebound. The dude hit me. <laughs> is he all right? Like what was it? Just oh, told, does he have a black told, eye or anything or no, no, I actually think it was, it hurt really bad and yeah. it scared him and that's the extent like yeah i actually went back to the house 20 minutes later i felt so bad i mean this is the thing is it's like why can't priscilla pick up on these cues i went back to the house 20 minutes maybe 15 minutes later because i felt so bad and i wanted to check on him he was eating dinner he came to the door oh hey mr joey I was like, dude, are you okay? And his mom came to the door and she said, he's fine. Thank you so much for checking on him. But yeah, she looked I mean, scared really, or it, what when she said that? Was she kind of nervous that? and scared when she said that? It's, it's totally fine, man. Yeah, thank you for stopping by. See you. Was she like? <laughs> Slam. Yeah. Slam. Boom. No, it's totally good. Boom. <laughs> totally fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I hope you get a rep in your neighborhood of like, oh, God, this guy's scary. Okay, before we go any further, I want everybody to close your eyes for a second, and I want you to picture and imagine and remember the first badass show you ever went to. So are you there in your mind? Remember the first time you were ever exposed to punk rock or hardcore or heavy music or emo or the first time you went to a show and something changed you you it was a real experience that you couldn't get enough of and my guess is you went to more shows and that music became important to you and let me guess you were probably in your late teens or early 20s something like that and it was a profound experience that is still with you today and when you still listen to music i'm gonna guess maybe you listen to music like mxpx or plank eye or norma jean or zayo or me without you or august burns red or the juliana theory of course, these are all tooth and nail bands, and of course, they're all important bands to me, and that's why I do the labeled podcast. It's really kind of a, it's just kind of an experiment. It was my idea. I pitched it to Tooth and Nail, and I told them that I thought their history was very interesting, not just the history of the label and the employees and the, that kind of thing, but everybody's personal history intertwined with the music and art that they consumed in their formative years is still meaningful today. I don't think of that as nostalgia, or at least not just nostalgia. It's really as history. And when you're 10 years older than you were or 20, and you go back and assess who you were and try to make sense of your past and the past of your culture, it is extremely helpful, fun, uh, gratifying, and I even feel important to archive this stuff and think through our past. It helps us with our future. Again, I don't think it's pure nostalgia, but man, does it feel good to hear some of this music and get to talk to the people that were involved that paved the way. And and so I very much enjoy doing the labeled podcast. It's something I work really hard at. Tooth and Nail funds it. It's a lot of fun. And not only is it just history, it's community. There's a Facebook group there that is free. It's got a couple thousand people in it. And we share stories and experiences, and it makes a lot of sense and is, I think, meaningful. And then, really, the reason that they pay for this ad, the reason I'm telling you about it now, is because the show is expensive to make. It takes a lot of time. So 
people that are doing this creative work, like the bands that have always been on Tooth and Nail, they, they work hard, they sacrifice, they sleep on the floor, they do all this stuff, and we're so glad that they do it. We celebrate that because there's art and meaningful stuff in the world now that would not have been otherwise. So this is an appeal to you to support. If you listen to Labeled already, if you don't listen, just go listen. If you already listen to the Labeled podcast, I'm asking you to support the Labeled Patreon. It is going to keep them funding me to do this show, which I enjoy very much, and it seems like it's meaningful to a lot of people, but not just out of altruism. We have dozens of hours of bonus tape, uncut tape, interviews that are never aired on the podcast that are just terrific. They just don't necessarily fit the storyline or what we're talking about that week. But there's really some terrific moments on there, and only the members of the Labeled Patreon get those. So so join our Facebook group, subscribe to the Labeled Podcast, and then please, by all means, go to patreon.com forward slash labeled and become a member. We've got a private group for that, too. And like I said, bonus tape and all that stuff. Thank you guys for the support. Again, it's the Labeled Podcast, the stories, rumors, and legends of Tooth & Nail Records. I do have to. I do have to watch my my facial expressions when it comes to kids because, um, like, there's these two guys that that come over. I think one's ninth grader, one's an eighth grader, and they don't temper how they say things at all around my sons, which I'm I'm partially okay with. But well, listen, y'all get a kick out of this. Like, wait, I'll just make up a name. I'll call him Johnny. Waylon came up to me and said, "Dad." Uh, uh, Johnny is nice and all, but he called me a little asshole the other day out on the basketball court. And I was like, oh, I was like, you know, he's just joking around. That's just kind of how older kids talk. But it did hurt Waylon's feelings. So I just felt like I want to have at least some open communication with these guys. And so I went out there and I told him, I said, guys, if y'all don't know that I like y'all by now, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously y'all come over anytime you want. I enjoy y'all using the basketball court. I said, but Got to explain something. My kids are a lot younger. And when you joke around amongst the fellows, I said, I do the same thing. I call my friends the worst names ever. But at a younger age, they just take that as you bullying and being mean. They don't have that filter system to get that you're joking around when you call them an asshole. So please don't call my sons assholes <laughs> until they get a little older. Like that sort of open communication. If I'm going to let these older guys come play basketball and then my sons to go out there too, I do think some of that stuff. Is, no, you did it totally helping. the right thing. I think that's actually honorable and good that you did that. Like you're, you're helping them see, wait a minute, this is what you got to do in, in this situation and this is how you need to handle yourself. That's what more men should do with younger men. Like, hey, whoa, 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 what are you doing? But I wish you would have went to old school. Like, come here, young fella. <laughs> now, you know I like to cuss myself, motherfucker. You, you cussing my kid, though? God, <laughs> you're going to get your ass smacked. Uh, you ain't going to do that in my house. <laughs> I wish you went old school on that. Uh, old old dad, old school. Reva, you ever play basketball at all? Oh yeah. I loved basketball. Did you do any like team I don't even know if did you did yeah. you do team sports like in high school and stuff? Yep. I played basketball through sophomore year. Or maybe junior. Yeah. No, I think just sophomore year. I was on varsity and all that. Nice. Did y'all yeah. did you have a good team? Were you any good? Um, we were all right. Um, but then by the time my class we were seniors, then we went to state. So I would have went to state if I stayed in it. What made but, you lose interest in it? Well, a few different things. <laughs> <laughs> what's the what's some of the main but, ones? Well, one of them I was frustrated because I got put on varsity as a sophomore. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. 
and then I was frustrated because I never got in or anything, oh, which I like see. is understandable. Right. But the frustrating thing was I didn't hardly even get to practice. Oh. Because there were twelve people on the team, so then two of us were sitting on the sideline most of the even practices. So it was very frustrating to like not even be able to practice. Right. You know. So you would have rather been so. on JV where you could have maybe been a starter or something. Yeah. Well, I I still was on JV, and JV was a blast. Yeah. Because, like, we were just better than everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can't you, you guys good if I gripe about uh, worship leaders real quick? Or are we going to talk about basketball the whole time? I love basketball. But, yeah, go ahead and let's talk <laughs> shit about people, I mean, we people fun, of the cloth. But... Go for it. Church staff. Go for it. No, 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 no. You're right, Reva. My bad. You guys continue. <laughs> Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Go. Reva, uh, no, no, no. Come on. Who's your favorite WNBA well, star? I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> Reva loves basketball. Who is your favorite M- WNBA star? Well, I I actually, I liked, uh, like, college women's yeah. basketball. So UConn was my favorite team. Oh, with, yeah. Like, well, I mean, they're unbelievable. Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi. Those, that was, like. I mean, that's, like, the most unbelievable. They they were, like, the best team ever. Like, they. Oh, yeah. This, this yeah, is, I mean, what did they win? Like, uh. They won. They they didn't lose a game for like years and years. Like it was kind of crazy. Like they were winning yeah. national championships, everything. That's it. Yeah. I mean, women's basketball, Connecticut is by far the most famous women's basketball team, probably on yeah. maybe in the world. I, I, I mean, everybody knows Connecticut women's basketball more than probably NBA WNBA teams for sure, right? In Tennessee, up there, yeah. Tennessee used Tennessee. to be, but then they their coach yeah. Pat. Uh, what was her last name? Pat. She. Got early Alzheimer's and died. Damn. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. yeah. It was it was several years ago. It was, yeah, that it was, was really like a sad. Big rivalry she was, when yeah. I was in high school. I mean, she was so a great coach, like super. Uh, I mean, smart. I mean, great coach, great person in the community, and just like that. Like I remember them announcing it. It was really sad. Like I, I was like, oh man. I mean, she's like an amazing coach, and gone. I was like shit. And then yeah. I, I, I'm the bad person that. Not only feels bad about that, but thinks, "Well, I got it. I'm done." I immediately think, "When I, it doesn't matter when I hear somebody has something and they die, I go, I definitely have to have oh, that. That's gonna be me. I definitely have that. That's me. I mean, I don't. I, I'm I'm on the clock now. <laughs> that's the way I view it. Anyway, all right, enough sports, Joey. What do you want to talk shit about? You want to talk about worship leaders? That's it. I mean. Well, no, this this is this is some good comic relief. Okay. Like, you know, we've we talked to the sneakers and and preachers and sneakers dude, and right. I seriously, I feel like it is a uh, it's kind of entertaining. Now, I will I will say this. Now, I'm not going to get into the spiritual aspect. I'm just going to okay. cut up and have some fun. But do this next time you're in a very demonstrative worship environment where the worship leaders aren't staying still and they're pretty theatrical. Think about what you would like if you saw them in their bedroom or if you saw them at the uh, airport doing those same actions, like what would you assume just happened to them if they didn't have a microphone, they weren't on stage. And so I wrote down some notes, just a few of them, because I was watching these worship leaders and I thought to myself, if I if that guy didn't have a microphone, and wasn't on stage, I would think that he's getting ready for a fight. Yeah. And and there's no one around him there to fight yet, but he's hyping himself up because angry look on his face, 
fists are kind of in the air and he's backing up and then coming forward, backing up, coming forward. And it's like, he's ready for a fight. Like yeah. there's, if I saw that guy in the airport, I'd be like, he lost his mind and he thinks that his life is in danger. So that's one. Another one is basically throwing out invisible blessings to people. Like basically I, I watch a person and they're doing something with their hand, almost like I've got this serious guru sorcerer look on my face, like a, a face of power and I'm throwing stuff out. Like even the hand motions is like throwing. And I was like, if I saw somebody doing that, I would seriously think that he thought that he was empowering people like magically. Yeah. And then uh, another one go. And I, I do think there's a, a major angry theme for some reason. A lot of people look like they're angry. Right. And uh, so instead of getting ready for a fight, there's one sort of way that worship leaders carry themselves. that looks like they just got off the phone in a big argument and they don't know what to do with themselves. They just don't know what to do. They got off the phone and they're just like, God, I'm just going to. And that's what it looks like. And I can't even really describe how that looks. But it was one specific person that I was watching the other. I was like, this person looks like they just got off the phone and they're in a big argument. They don't know what to do with their emotions. But here's what makes me so bad and horrible. This is where I can slow down and be like, okay, there's a problem with me. Because when someone takes the opposite position and they don't dress all super nice and cool and hip and they're a little, they're more moderate with their actions, I think, oh, what do you think? You're better than everybody else. (laughs) Like, I judge the person that's keeping it super tame thinking like, oh, yeah, they think they're better. And I'm just so messed up. I, I will say this. I learned a big lesson. This was like 10 years ago. There was someone that, that came to our campus to lead worship, and this woman was so demonstrative, so theatrical, and I was just like, this per I just can't, like, we we don't have that vibe at our campus. I mean, right. Toby led worship for years, Robbie's now leading worship, and we've never had a worship leader that was big into the, the hype and the energy and all that. And I was thinking to myself, I just can't have this woman coming over here and leading in that way. And uh, I, f- I finally got a chance to have some deeper conversation with her and her husband. I think we went out to lunch and come to find out that the honest truth for her is she is extremely uncomfortable out there. She is very insecure. And all she knows to do is what she's seen other people to do. So it, I judged her thinking she was trying to get attention and she was trying to look cool and she was trying to be super hype where actually, and and she could still be doing some stuff wrong. I'm not saying she was doing everything right, but bottom line, it was coming from insecurity, fear, and not knowing what in the hell she's supposed to be doing. But one more thought that I had with all of this stuff, you know, with, uh, you know, when I'm looking at all these worship leaders, there, people that get up on stage in their early 20s to lead worship. Yeah. It is it is all a uh it's it's not the the authority that they've been given so to speak I put that in quotes it's it's not even real um but w- how they own it they're they're too young to own something like that so in other words they're up there thinking they have this responsibility to like lead every single per- and some of them they just have no business even thinking that they have any leadership over anybody because they're just, this sounds horrible, they're just young punks that don't know anything about anything. And now, so am I saying that you should be at a certain age and maturity level? No, but if you're going to have people up there that have barely lived, then at least 
tell them, look, we don't, we don't need you to feel like you have any authority over anybody. Just get up there and sing. But instead, we coach them and we teach them, hey, you've got this major responsibility of leading these people. And, you know, you've got, uh, you've got responsibility. And it, and it puts them in a position where they just come off as stupid and, and like an asshole. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, you could solve a lot of problems by you never see the uh, worship band. You just don't yeah. see them. They're either yeah, behind the you or they're, you know, maybe you build a, a separate stage somewhere or they're sitting down or they're behind the big screen or whatever. You just don't get this. You do not get any FaceTime or need for that. And then how you would worship would be with the congregation because you'd be playing the music. To, so you have a skill that you get. Like, that's what I'm saying. It's so neat that the church uh, allows people that like play guitar, drums or bass, whatever, keys, sing. You get to use your talents every week. That's really neat. I think that's so awesome that the church provides that. But it's not, but it's provided in a way that you have to do it a certain way. And then it just has, I mean, so every Sunday is just thousands of cover bands just trying to, you know, rock out on stage. And it just, and it, it feels, uh, it feels a little inauthentic because every Sunday you don't feel that excited or want to jump around or do anything. I, the one I like, Joey, is the super slow hand raise where they raise their hands <laughs> up like it's picking up something from the from the counter, putting it on the shelf. Kind of, and it's super slow. You're like, why are you moving your hand so slow? It like starts low and their hands come up slowly. And then they're, you, you know, or, or like a, that could be uh, they're, they're being arrested and the cop says, put your hands up slowly. And they're just, you know, the cop's behind them pointing a gun, whatever that is. But you're right. Like it, it, it feels like, Wait a minute. This young person, because a lot of it is young people because they are talented or they have time to learn their instrument or they don't work and they're not exhausted with life and kids and all that stuff. You're, you don't have, I feel like we do put a little bit too much on their plate with, hey, you're going to be leading people. Because I've been told by several leaders, hey, make sure you are into it and you're worshipful and you're the example of how other people can worship. And so I'm like, wait a minute, why are they looking at me? That I mean, worship how you want to worship. Just because I raise right. my hand or I've got tears in my eyes or uh, I'm emotional in this moment, that doesn't mean anything because that that means it's a show. That's that's all it is. And you're watching me not even focusing on the words, which I don't think the, a lot of times the words are that good at all. But um, I just don't think the, it, the whole thing is about a show. So Get rid of the band playing on stage. That is what every church should do, and you will see people that get to really care about playing their music well, and they won't be seen. And why is that bad? What's, yeah. the, what's the bad thing there? Well, then you don't have to worry about preachers and sneakers. You don't have to worry about looking cool because you're backstage and it doesn't matter anyway, and then God gets all the glory. It just seems like a no-brainer to me, but I mean, I understand. Yeah. Uh, it, it's just everybody goes, oh, well, you, cool band. You had the balance well. I mean, you held the balance well. So, I, I mean, I, I and, and you know, feel free to argue the hell back. But uh, I will say that guys like you make it hard for me to totally jump in with you. Because I do, I do agree. I've thought about that before. Or at the very least, like, not have everybody in one part of the room all looking in one direction. Like, do something different. But I do feel like there's some people that are able to kind of step to, I don't think anybody can completely step out of their ego with anything, sure. but I do think there's some people that can step out enough and they have genuinely pretty good skills with just having people engaged with them for a common goal. Because the thing is, is if, if you can, if you can see your role as, Hey, I'm doing this with everybody else, 
and I can I can be complimentary in this environment, but it's not all on my shoulders. I think that's kind of a better balance. <sighs> Boy, we talked about basketball and uh, ego and not understanding each other and then trying to figure out how you understand each other, the WNBA. We talked about uh, all kinds of good stuff today. I'm really, I mean, I'm just, I feel like I'm a better person. Are you discussed out? You tapped out? Yeah. Uh, do you ever get tapped out from talking? I've never heard of this before. Is this your first? Uh, first I do some. Ever... I have sometimes. Especially with Matt.